Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. Today, we have writer and poet Bill Cushing. Believe me, you don't want to miss this. Bill Cushing has lived in several states, the Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico before moving to California. He earned an MFA in writing from Goddard College in Vermont and now lives in Glendale with his wife and their son. He recently retired after teaching college English at both East Los Angeles and Mount San Antonio Colleges for over 20 years. Published in various journals and anthologies, both in print and online, is a multiple Pushcart Prize nominee and was named among the top 10 L.A. poets in 2017, as well as one of 2018's 10 Poets to Watch by Spectrum Publishing of Los Angeles. In 2019, he won the San Gabriel Valley Chapbook Competition with Music Speaks, a volume recently awarded with the 2021 New York City Book Award. Along with writing and facilitating a writing group, Nine Bridges, his poetry collection of Former Life was released by Finishing Line Press and honored with a 2020 Cops Featherling International Book Award. Welcome everybody to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast on YouTube. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. I am excited today to welcome Bill Cushing. He came all the way from California, and um, I'm in North Carolina, so that's a long distance to go. So thank God for these kinds of uh, technologies these days. Welcome, Bill. Wow, thanks so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you here today. Now, I understand, um, you know, you have been actually working as a high school English teacher and decided to retire. Yeah, right? well, actually, my last, I was college, community college. I did work high schools before I got my master's, and then I just got through uh, 23 years of teaching community college. And, oh, that's uh, retired, great. Retired just in time to miss the shake-up last year. The time <laughs> I, I, my last day was actually Valentine's Day of last year, and then, of course, everything broke loose in March. So, Yeah. Well, that is great. And so now that you're retired from community college, what are you doing with your time? Well, I may be actually going back. I've got my my old boss or one of my old bosses uh, invited me back for a class. So I've just submitted all the paperwork. So I'll probably do one class a semester just for the fun of it. Uh, but of course, I'm dedicated now more than uh, to writing and, and you know working of course, I do a collaboration with a musician, uh, and we still work together as much as we can. Obviously, you can't do live venues to do what you can online. Um, but yeah, my own writing, and I facilitate a writing workshop uh, here in, in California. Okay. What kind of writing workshop is it? It's a well, it's a critique where we uh, every week. Uh, well, it used to be we'd get together at a, a local restaurant and exchange our writing and mm -hmm. workshop each other. 
Uh, now that we're online, we just, what happens is I get everything in on Sunday night. I send it out to everybody. That gives them a few days to read it and mark it up. And then on Wednesday, we get together online and, and go around table. We'll go piece by piece. Uh, okay. So you can send whatever you want, poetry, nonfiction, fiction. Oh, wow. That's quite a mix. Yeah, I belong to a poetry critique group like that, and we send you know our stuff out and critique each other's stuff. And yeah. it's yeah. it's interesting. I mean, so when was one piece of poetry come out with a totally different piece? Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> but, well, that's uh, and I do have to give a shout out, I think, to the right. It's it's the the group is actually called Nine Bridges. Mm -hmm. uh, they operate now out of Mississippi. They started in Oregon. Uh, but we have uh, people, you know, chapters in California and Oregon and Pennsylvania. Uh, we're trying to get one started in Mississippi now. The people have moved there, but of course, COVID is more difficult. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a really nice group. I, I latched onto them years ago. I like the way they operate, and so I uh, I asked, hey, can I start my own group? Uh, so it's kind of a it, well it wasn't a meeting at a at a local place but it sounds to me like it's kind of gone into the internet world now yeah right? yeah now we're doing everything by zoom um mm -hmm. each chapter is doing its own uh yeah because when i first found them that they were doing the in-person meetings and normally most workshops are on a weeknight and they seem to be very popular on wednesday night and of course, that was my teaching time. <laughs> Every <laughs> night I'd have a class. But when I got to the winter, or the, you know, the break, semester breaks, I could go to those nighttime meetings. So I started mine on Wednesday afternoon. So mm -hmm. it, it fits people's schedule who, you know, don't want to do it at night or, or can't do it at night. Okay. Well, that's great. You know, so basically you're, you're, well, you might be going back to work a little bit, but it sounds like you're spending a lot of time working on your poetry and, you know, they're writing more on closer to a full-time basis. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, actually my project now is not that I've stopped writing poetry. I still am obviously, but uh, I'm actually working on a memoir now, uh, oh. which, uh, is because I didn't go back to school until I was 37 years old. And I, what I did was out of high school, I ended up going in the Navy. After I got out of the Navy, I spent the rest of that, most of the rest of that time on ships, on oil tankers and whatever. So I had about a 10 year period, mm -hmm. you know, where I was on ships, working on ships. So I'm doing a memoir based on those years oh nice yeah because somebody asked me, how does somebody go from an electrician to a professor yeah my dad was he served on the uss north carolina and one of my favorite um interviews i did with him was um we i did a, a back then it was a cassette tape that's mm -hmm. how long ago it's been interview of him about his time with the ship mm -hmm. he built it and served on it during the war and Oh. He went from there to, you know, working personnel in the military and personnel oh. after the military. So, mm -hmm. yeah. um, what did your dad do? He was a boatswain's mate. Oh, okay. Oh, the, yeah, the all-purpose guys. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then he went into the Air Force after he got out of the Navy. Because oh, okay. <laughs> he wanted to be home more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I so, come from a Navy family, so it was only natural. In fact, mm -hmm. I was born while my dad was down stationed in Northwalk himself. So. Yeah. It's usually one of, I think there's at least one of us in my family that my dad wasn't present for. I may, I may have come close to that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, now you have, I understand, a new award. Can you tell us about that? The new? Yeah, oh, tell yeah. Me something about an award. Yeah, the, uh, the book, well, Music Speaks, uh, which was the cover you put up, uh, is it actually, it won a chapbook contest in two, 2019. Um, and then I entered it also the end of last year to the New York City Book Awards. Mm -hmm. And so it was just awarded a third place, you know, a bronze medal uh, for uh, poetry. And so yeah, I was really pleased with that. And of course, this was my own design. Uh, okay. Yeah, when the, when the, uh, book came out originally, I, I didn't bring an old copy with me, but it was just a stapled mm -hmm. copy. Well, I liked it so much that what I did was I went through and, and I added images. I actually added two new poems, uh, that mm -hmm. section called The Encore, uh, mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun to do because I figured, well, I, I'd written two new poems dealing with music since that book had won the award and before I started the publication, my own publication of it. Um, so I said, well, rather than put it in the uh, <clears throat> in the table of contents, I'll call it an encore because we had a concert. Yeah. Show, what's going to come at the encore. So. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah, that. it was fun to do. Um, so yeah, and I've got another book still underway and a, um, a new book of poems, which is pretty much the same as this in that I have artwork associated with the poems um, and it's called This Just In. Um, oh. I put, the subtitle is News Faker Otherwise. Uh, <laughs> and, and Finishing Line, who published my first book, A Former Life, is interested. So we're now, you know, talking back and forth on what the contract will be and that sort of thing. Uh, right. Uh, so yeah, I, I, and I continue writing new poems, you know, not all the time as much as I used to, but still, you know, every other week I come up with something that I want to work on. Right. Well, congratulations on your award. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, that was uh, a real amazing. Then of course, I, I immediately wrote Don Campbell, who was the judge of the contest. <laughs> look. Yeah. So. yeah. Wow. Are you doing um, anything for National Poetry Month? Uh, any kind of special project? Actually, we are in Nine Bridges. In fact, maybe I'll send you the uh, the information. I should send that to you. Uh, this coming Monday, we're going to have a, a an open mic reading on Zoom uh, for National Poetry Month. Then on the 24th, I'm going to be down at, uh, there's a new bookstore just opened called the uh, Jewel Bookstore. It's down by LAX. And it's funny because it's myself and two other writers from Finishing Line. Uh, the, you know, we were all published by Finishing Line Press. And so we're gonna be 
presenting at this, and I think there's a couple of other writers coming, a couple other poets. Uh, so we're going to do that. Uh, and I'm hoping I just submitted another chapbook for the because uh, this one, the, the music speaks, was the San Gabriel Valley, which of course is where what the part of the section of LA I live in. Um, so I'm I've just submitted a new chapbook to them. Uh, in fact, this one's called "What Is It Good For," and it's all poems oh. based about war. Uh, oh, coming from a military family, of course, I have a great interest in that. Uh, in fact, when they had the two years ago, when they had the hundredth anniversary of of V Day, uh, you know, World War One, I, I went on a tear. I wrote about three new poems just on World War One. Uh, I have one actually. Uh, it's a poem called "A Sonnet to Slaughter," which is about Gettysburg, and that one uh, also won an award, which I was pleased with. And the uh, there's an annual sonnet contest out of Chicago. And so that one placed there. So I don't, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the with the new chapbook if that comes into anything. Uh, wow, okay. I'll I'll those pieces for a, a, you know, a, eventually I'm I'm hoping to be done with the memoir by May, and then mm -hmm. I'll be going into final edits there, and then start putting together a new full book of poetry. And then at the same time, I want to get back to I actually wrote a memoir. Had almost 25 years ago, um, that needs a lot of work, and, and I got to get back to that. It's not about me; it's uh, my late wife. I had a, I was married before, and she died of cancer. So I wrote this book about our, you know, dealing with cancer and what she. Right. Was. So I'm hoping to get back to that because it does need a lot of work. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, first this one, then I'll probably start working on. A new book of poetry, you know, a full collection, and then yeah. get back to that other memoir. Goodness, you are a busy man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like to say it keeps me off the streets and out of the pool hall. So. <laughs> that sounds to me like you do a lot of writing or research around history. Mm -hmm. Oh, sounds yeah. I actually, it's funny, I actually started as a history major when I returned to school. But what happened was, um, and I mentioned before, I have a good friend of mine who was one of my first English professors. He, he lives in Raleigh. Um, and when I started back at school, he kind of wrote me back into an interest of writing. He, he recruited me for the school newspaper. Uh, then he ended up, it's funny, he ended up getting me to help him on a literary festival he held every year at the campus. Uh, and then he and I, and once again, he brought me into this. He started a, uh, a little arts and entertainment magazine. This is in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, that we did. You know, came out every two weeks. And it was interviews and articles and reviews and that sort of thing. Um, so he wrote me back into writing. So I always said, yeah, if it hadn't been for Kevin Besner, I probably wouldn't be at this position. Um, yeah, do you have some poetry to read for us today? Sure, absolutely. I would love, I would to. love to hear it. And, you know, I'll take it from the Music Speaks book. And I guess I'm going to start actually with the one that kind of. I need to ask everybody to be sure to mute themselves. Uh, this is um, just to show people 
what it looks like inside. Oh, I've got to reverse it. Um, this is the first musical poem. I, although I, I can't really say that. I didn't start writing poetry until I got into school. And I was on the student newspaper, and that's what got me into it. So technically, I guess you could say my first real poem was musical in that I was trying to uh, sort of replicate the sound of Tom Waits, who I love. Um, okay. But this is the first really big poem I wrote about music. And it's also, uh, it's about Miles Davis. Uh, and it's I also, I always like to say, this is one of what I call the found piece, where it, I wrote it and it didn't need a whole lot of revision afterwards. Not okay. that it, I didn't yeah. tinker with it, because I'm a big believer and you got to rewrite. You, you got to mm -hmm. rewrite. I keep looking at it again and again. This one came out pretty well the way I liked it. And it's called, it's actually the title of the poem is a quote from Miles Davis. So this is, music isn't about standing still and being safe. Listen, two weeks after you died, a quarter million thronged by the St. John's River to hear the music you had spawned, hoping to see you, but even in death, you never looked back. They were all there, Hannibal, Bird, Chick, Jojo, Red, Jocko, Bean, Dizzy, my favorite, Freddie Freeloader. Isolated you were a beacon, a flagship for messages of the heart, back to the crowd, unbowed, that proud dance walk, announced by muted horn, that spoke and broke through all the bull and told us about a place, miles ahead of everyone else. You spent a lifetime thinking for yourself, speaking to every generation, playing it all, jazz, blues, funk, rock, fusion. Categories took a back seat to creativity and rhythm, space and feeling, spirit. I remember fourth grade picking up a horn, then laying it down. Rock and roll was my world. What did I know? Seven years later, I heard, it was in the garden where you brought me back to music. I walked all the way home, Miles, from that train station, my head pounding with sounds, frantic fast as the subway I spent the night on, those African rhythms you used decades before anyone else even thought to, filling my head, letting me know I'd have it all down cold if I could walk as cool as the notes you heard coming from Miles. You had that thing, that style, that spark that was a blue flame, jumping off a gas stove, igniting everything, everywhere, touching the genetic resonant frequency in all. And that's wow. Miles Davis. By the way, that's also, I have to say, that's the poem that brought Chuck and myself together, the, the musician I work with. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he, uh, it's funny. He and I grew up across the street from each other in New York. Then in 70, I, you know, he, he's younger than I was, or I am, uh, he's still younger than me. Um, but uh, he was starting high school about the time I went in the Navy. And of course, I disappeared. And uh, in the meantime, of course, he'd gotten married and everything else. Well, when this, that, that poem showed up in uh, Holly Tripp's uh, um, book, uh, um, Stories of Music, and in the first volume 
And so I was part of a reading promoting the book in LA and I found out Chuck had moved to LA. So I wrote him, uh, you know, I found him on Facebook, of course, and I sent him a message, hey, look, I'm doing a reading, you know, in this cafe in downtown LA, why don't you come join us? So we hadn't seen each other in 45 years. Uh, <laughs> and he shows up and it was so funny. After the reading, we sat and we went and got some coffee and we were talking. Turns out that in the end, he had majored in music. And he wow. told me, he said, uh, he says, yeah, you remember that garage band you were in when we were kids? And I said, oh, yeah, that band, we were horrible. He says, yeah, but that's what inspired me you know, <laughs> to see play at parties and, and garages and stuff like that to, to major in music. And so while we're there, before we left, he said, well, what would you think of a collaboration of, you know, I'll play guitar and you read your poetry. And I, I just told him, I said, Chuck, here's the thing you have to know. You never ask a poet, do you want to read your stuff in public? Because the answer is always going to be yes. <laughs> so I said, just remember you started this. But we've been together now for, I guess, four or five years and still you know, collaborating. He's in New York right now himself, but he just came out last week to do when we did the uh, Friday Night Live, um, you know, interview with her. Uh, and, you know, he'll be back out probably in April. But he also, he travels with the Mills Brothers. Uh, oh. Guitarist for them as well. So, um, yeah, he's a, he's a very good guitarist, plays stand-up bass, um, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So he and I have been having real fun with this. Yeah, it sounds like fun to me. Yeah, yeah. Do you have another poem for us? Oh, sure. Um, any preference or just? Nope, just oh, surprise me. I just turned to this one, so why don't you do this? <clears throat> I am a big, I am a major movie fan. Uh, I, I love film. And so this is from The Music Speaks, but it's based on the music that was in um, the movie uh, Pan's Labyrinth which if anybody's seen that, has got some phenomenal music in it. And it's called La Rosa y el Dragón. Okay. Terror rarely comes in thunder, preferring a sinister waltz of seduction. The single notes of a piano, Bartok-like, accompany the spiral stairs winding down into the maze, echoed by hammer-struck wire blossoming out into chorus. Then a voice like violin strings descends in pitch, looping in carefully to place steps of a few seemingly random notes, walking up scales and back. This dance of timpani and plants follows the labyrinth as wind hums ethereal as an oboe exhaling, a deep drop in tone, a bassoon, then metallic bones clash in clanging vibrations, while strokes of plucked harp strings, the heartbeat, first steady, then slowing to a perfect, if ignoble end. Ophelia, hearing the lullaby, rests to find the peace of mind found in the art of dying. Wow. <laughs> My kind of poetry. Oh, thanks. <laughs> That would have fit well in the anthology I just published called Heartbeats. Oh, really? Right in. Yeah. That's funny. In fact, the poem I wrote for that is about the I, I, I am a pentameter, the heart. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like well, that's, that. Um, you might enjoy then, um, since I'm on a musical kick here with you anyway, uh, Mickey Hart, who is one of the drummers for the Grateful Dead, uh, is also an, a PhD in ethnomusicology. Mm -hmm. And this is probably about 30 years ago, he wrote a book called Drumming at the Edge of Magic, oh. which is about the history of the drum and, and religion and culture and just everything. Absolutely fascinating book. Uh, I, I got to review it because when I was when I returned to school, one of my part time jobs was doing book reviews for magazines and newspapers. So, yeah, I didn't pay much, but I got free books. So, yeah. For an English major, it was a that was a gold mine. Yeah, I'm a book reviewer too, so I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I still do them now and again when I run across a poetry book that I really like, or uh, I, I do some freelance writing for there's a, a website called LA Cultural Weekly, and so I write for them on occasion. Most of them are reviews or just uh, commentaries, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but uh, let me, uh, why not, I'll zap you with one more here. This is another one. This is one I enjoyed writing as well okay. as you living. Um, I don't know if anybody knows who UB Blake was. Uh, if not, you should. Uh, <laughs> but I actually got to see him perform in New York City when I was living in New York. Uh, and I just, I always loved the guy. He was known for his Broadway stuff, but his jazz was really great, his ragtime. Uh, but it was difficult to play. He was kind of like Rachmaninoff, and I, I reference that here, uh, because his hands were so big and his fingers so long. He would come up with music that people found difficult to play. A, a normal person didn't have the, the wingspan of his finger to finger. But this is called Blake's song. Yubi did it better than anyone, not just music, but life as well. Sneaking off at 13, already a pro, playing at a Baltimore brothel. He filled time for men lounging in couches, pulling slugs of whiskey from flasks, waiting for the girl of, if not their dreams, at least their choice that evening. Then people hummed his show, term, show tunes, but his true calling being the Rachmaninoff of ragtime. Long fingers doing what few can hope to, created perfect stops, gaps leading to rolling trills, rollicking dances on black keys, running along accidentals of sharps and flats. Later, I watched him play on a Manhattan stage as Alberta Hunter sang, both seemingly unaware of the crowd gathered about them, he having a year for each key of his instrument. She 80, nearly two centuries of experience. I wasn't at a music hall that night. Instead, I stood on the edge of Mount Olympus, looking up, getting a chance to eavesdrop on gods of music as they played. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I always said did it life. better. Yeah, Newby, uh, I don't know if you know about how he did a on his 100th birthday, he did a farewell concert in Baltimore, because that's where he's from. And then about a week later, he just went to sleep and didn't get up. And we said, Yubi did it better than anybody. He did what he wanted to do. 
just about his whole life mm -hmm. just was able to do it right up till the end. Yeah. Yeah. We should all be so fortunate to have life I know. like that. <laughs> anyway, but uh, by the way, if if I may, I didn't ask permission before, so I'll assume I can take permission here. <laughs> if anybody would like, I, I am more than happy to, to send signed copies of this book out. Um, I've got it listed at $25, but I'm happy to do it at 20 bucks as long as it's within the continental US. Um, okay. So if anyone's interested, maybe you can post my uh, email and-, and Okay, uh, I'll be glad to. They can contact me through, because I, I have a PayPal account, we can easily do it that way. I'm more than okay. happy to- So to you use the same email that we've been communicating with? Yeah, yeah, the Pisces Okay, I'll, I'll include that in the show notes. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm really pleased with how this came out. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of tried to copy sort of a mini coffee table book. I mean, even the dimensions are mm -hmm. odd for poetry and uh, the pages are a lot glossier and the pictures are in color and that kind of thing. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you would like to share? Um, well, I don't know. Um, I guess... One of the things I always love to get into when I'm talking about poetry, that I actually, I wrote a very long piece about this that has been published in a couple of places, but here again, I started, well, let's say I started as a history major, uh, ended up as an English major. Initially, I was going to major in linguistics because I found the study of language very interesting, but I ended up going into creative writing instead. Um, but uh, how do you define poetry? Has always been a big thing because I'm I'm I was one of those English teachers. Define the terms. Define the terms. You got to define the terms. So here I am involved in poetry. How do you define it? And I would that was always one of the things I was asking people. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I got to meet some very good poets: uh, Donald Justice, Heather McHugh, uh, Carolyn Forche, uh, people like this when I was at school. It was interesting getting these definitions, but I always like to say the best definition of poetry I ever got was I was I was this is I was still in Florida. I had gone up to Vermont to visit a friend of mine, and I'd taken the train because I figured I could get work done a lot easier on a train. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just take my time, but uh, I can't help you then. Um, but um, Anyhow, I, um, you know, I was, I was on this train ride and I pulled out some poems I was working on and uh, this guy next to me was, oh, you write poetry and we start talking. And then behind us, a third guy perks up, you guys talking about poetry? So we ended up going to the bar car most of the night. <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and that was one of the things I, I said, yeah, how do you guys define poetry? Well, the one guy who had been behind us, he was out of Canada. And I always loved his, he said, poetry is the history of the human soul. And I said, that is the best definition I have. I ever. like that. Because when you think about it, poetry started as history, if you look at the Greek epics and, uh -huh. and that sort of thing. And, you know, of course, in the Romans, it was mythology. But, of course, what else reveals the soul of a culture? But it's mm -hmm. mythology and legends. Uh, I was like, that's perfect. That, that's the, the, 
it was the shortest answer I ever got, and it was the most all-encompassing. And I always, mm -hmm. I always say, think of poetry as the history of the human soul. It reflects mm -hmm. who we are at any given time. And and how and I'm also I'm a big believer in the tabla rasa that we are a product of our time and our environment and that sort of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Which when I taught, I always spent about a half hour of the first day just talking about that, saying, "Look, when you're looking at other people's writings, you can't judge it by our standards today. You have to mm -hmm. look at what's going on historically." Back then. Mm -hmm. That was one of my big jokes when I was teaching. I would always tell my students that I started as a history major. And I still retain that love of history. And I ended up as an English major. And so I'm your English teacher. So for those of you here who don't like either history or English, well, sorry about that. <laughs> Both of me. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the one thing I always love discussing. So, you know, think of poetry as the history of the human soul. It's a perfect. I love thing. that. Yeah. Never heard one better. And, you know, like I say, I'm, I have to say that really tops it. Yeah, and and even having met some pretty big names in poetry, nobody came as close to the mark as far as I'm concerned as that guy did. Right. Okay. Yeah, I did something about to write poetry. I did to um, do it like a little essay about you know why you write. And I wrote mm. about to write poetry, and you know I expressed it as like the ink. From the pen is like the blood from your heart. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I like that that one. I'm gonna have to remember that. Put that <laughs> on my notes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great one. But uh, but anyhow, um, well, like I say I've got this book out there. I've got the 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 former life out there, which is the one I didn't send you, but it's much more involved too. Oh, actually, I do have that one too. Oh, you do. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to read both of them. I actually have the music one pretty much about done. But, oh, okay. Oh, as far as the, yeah, take a look at it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's short. I think it's, what, 20, yeah, 27 pages all told. Um, yeah, I'll do a book review and put it up on YouTube. Share that with you. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I try to do a review on all of the poets that send me books. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's one of my favorite things to do. Why don't I uh, wrap things up with uh, actually the first poem in the book, which I'm going from jazz now to classical. All right. You gonna take us out with a poem? And uh, this is uh, when I was growing up, and I grew up in the '50s and '60s. Um, I was not very fond of the rock music of my age. I, I really wasn't. <laughs> not a big fan. Uh, my dad was very big into classical and opera and that sort of thing. That's what I grew up listening to. And one of my favorite pieces of music, and I do mention in the book, is that this is based on Fritz Reiner's 1960 recording of Pictures of an Exhibition. Always loved that piece. And my favorite piece out of that is the Biedlow section, which is Polish for an ox cart. But it's one of those pieces of music that you can close your eyes and really see what's happening. It's very impressionistic in that way. So I wrote this piece on, and it's called Amadeus Mazorski's Bead Love. A shape appears and is gone, comes into view, disappears until cresting the hill, the spot blotting the sun, 
a cartload of hay takes shape. Emerging the wagon, oxen drawn, a juggernaut pulled by 2,000 pounds, rolls between fields, grinding dirt, crushing stones. Sweating flanks of coarse matted hair cause slow rhythmic hammering, dull thunder as hooves pound earth. The ground moves to the sound of these hardened timpani. Beast and wagon pass, processional as if solemn, and then recede slowly out of sight. A wake is left, strong pungent odor of musk mixed with the sweet sharpness of the cut stalks being carried to the village beyond. Wow. Take on uh, Mazorsky, uh, nice. which I always love that one because I like to say uh, Mazorsky wrote pictures of the exhibition after a friend of his who was a visual artist died. So essentially, I wrote a poem about a piece of music that's about a piece of painting. So, <laughs> well, so we Bill, did, if we can get interpretive dance, we'll have come full circle, I think. <laughs> Well, Bill, it's been great to have you on here today. Thanks so much. Thank you yes. so much for your, your time and uh, your poetry. Keep writing. Oh, that's, it's an obsession. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be a profession, but it's certainly an obsession. <laughs> Does anybody in the audience have anything they'd like to say? Well, I, guess be, I guess they're being quiet. <laughs> oh, here, Aaron, Tara. Uh, no, I, I know of coming from our um, the writing group. You know, I tell, I've always I love the way you write. I I love the imagery that you portray. So I'm it's in, always interesting to hear your your, uh, your backstory and and what <laughs> led you to write certain poems. Yeah, because the only story you've heard so far are my wild years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank no you. In fact, I think the Miles Davis one might have surprised him because any poems he's seen from me, I, I, I'm really big on the compact line and stanza and that stuff. That Miles Davis one is the only, well, it's not the only, but it's one of the few very long pieces I've read. Yeah. I'm big on the compact line too. Well, thank you so much. And okay. I will leave you go and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. And thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Come back again soon. Would you like to be on our podcast? Send an email to prolificpulse at gmail.com and we'll get back to you soon. Thank you. Have a good day.